Hello, everybody. Chris Landry here. This is the SEC Football Show for this Wednesday, November 20th, as we break down all things SEC football every week and a lot to react to. Uh, obviously, the playoff rankings are out, how things shake up there. Certainly the big news of the week, two have gone down. What does it mean for Alabama and the playoff race? We'll get into that. Answer your questions. How good is LSU? How good is Georgia? How big of a national threat? How did the games look inside the film room this past week? We're going to take a look at all of that. Look ahead to this week's games. Latest news and notes around the conference. We're going to get to it all. And it's all brought to you by our great folks at 401k Generation. Eddie Rojas and his team licensed in all 50 states to give you the best financial help around money management, investment inquiries, uh, 401ks, IRAs, whatever you need. If you don't know what you need, even more necessary that you get in touch with a financial profession, a professional like Eddie and his team. Perhaps you got somebody that you like, you, you think is good, but you want to get some different advice to get a feel for or you head it in the right direction. This is who you need to call. Again, licensed in all 50 states. So they can help you. You can call or text at 1-866-998-5879. Give them a call. If you are, tell them um, we sent you. Take especially good care of you. And um, we we wouldn't be here doing the show if it wasn't for him. And by the same token, we're in conversations with people, perhaps people like you, some that have an interest in promoting their business. We're looking for the right fits. And if you feel you and your business are the right fits, um, want to get the word out about your business, uh, contact us today. Go to LandryFootball.com. Hit Contact Chris on the top bar. Send me an email. TJ will be in touch with you. You can check out all of our podcasts. Every Wednesday, each and every conference, we've got the college and uh, NFL podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. Great podcast, like from the peak to the pit. So a lot of great things going up as part of the big three roll-up um, family. Got a question that you want me to address on this podcast? We've got a few today. We're going to get to. Uh, you go to LandryFootball.com. Again, hit contact Chris and let us know. LandryFootball.com is where you want to go to get the in-depth film room breakdowns, all the college games, all the pro games, recruiting, the draft, coaching searches, all the inside information. That's what you get at LandryFootball.com. 50% discount during the season if you take advantage of the one-year membership. That's one calendar year, $49.99 for the entire year. That's $4.99 a month. Or you can try it out for a month at $9.99. So whatever Get on board today. It will increase your enjoyment, and you'll learn a lot more about the game of football as well as the characters in it. So check it out today. So we've got the latest rankings. We're heading into week 13. So before we break down week 12 and get into week 13, let's take stock of where we are. Got LSU and Georgia at 1 and 4, Alabama at 5, Florida at 11, Auburn at 15. What does it really mean? Well, I do think that LSU's number one for the time being. I do think they will be jumped by Ohio State if Ohio State's able to 
beat Penn State, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, I think the resume will certainly match LSU's. I also think they look better. They look to be the better team on film uh, between LSU and Ohio State. I think they'll eventually get the number one seed if they win out. We shall see. It's always one thing to anticipate and think it's going to be a certain way. However, let's watch the tape, as I like to say. Put the tape on, let's watch the games, we'll see, and that will ultimately determine it. If you look at Georgia, Georgia in and of itself has got A&M. It won't be a difficult or challenging test against Georgia Tech this year. Then they go to the conference championship game against LSU. And we'll see how that plays out. Um, But that's going to be, again, a telling matchup, one that will eliminate Georgia or will likely put Georgia and LSU in. We think Ohio State takes care of business. That's probably the way it will play out. Alabama's at five. What are their chances? I still don't think they're very good, but let's just play it out for the time being. I think it matters how it looks. If Alabama plays very well, um, you you certainly against Auburn and shows a good offensive effort, that will be looked at more favorably than if they struggle against Auburn. Because the eye test is really all Alabama has at this point. They don't have a great body of work, but neither does Clemson. Alabama has lost the game. Alabama lost to LSU. Clemson hadn't played anybody anywhere near the caliber of LSU. So you can look at it a number of different ways. Clemson, by the fact that they're unbeaten, it's kind of how some of this works. If you're unbeaten, you pretty much got a path in if you're one of the big boys in one of the big conferences. If you got one loss, you get measured against the other one-loss teams. Well, Alabama is likely going to be compared against the one-loss Pac-12 champion. That's the way it's looking at this point. So if Alabama decisively beats Auburn and it's Oregon that wins the Pac-12, how much will they look at Alabama's win, if it is impressive over Auburn, versus Oregon's loss to Auburn, which they look impressive, but they didn't win the game? It's going to matter a lot. I think it's interesting to note Something that may have gotten by, folks. But tonight, what they did is they put Penn State at 8 and Minnesota 10 in the rankings. Even though Minnesota won the game head-to-head, why did they do it? They said it was because Penn State won at Iowa while Minnesota lost at Iowa. So despite head-to-head, they looked at a common game. Could they be setting that up for an Alabama common opponent being Auburn versus, you know, matching up against Oregon. How will they look at that? Now, here's how it's supposed to play out. You're supposed to go with the conference champion unless the non-conference champion is appreciably better. It has to be clearly better. Will Alabama look clearly better than Oregon, clearly better than Utah? That will be the debate, and that's going to ultimately decide who gets in 
in that fourth spot if LSU wins. If Georgia beats LSU, Ohio State-Clemson win, I don't think there's any doubt that's your four teams, and I think that's going to be two SEC teams in. So that's how it's playing out at this time. Now, I have been asked a little bit how to assess LSU to this point. Folks, they do not look like the best team in the country, and I will say this right now, as they currently are, they're not good enough defensively to win a national title. They're ranked, and this is just statistics, but the film bears this out, against Power 5 teams this year. LSU's given up 450 yards a game, ranked 82nd in total defense. 60th in scoring defense, giving up 31 points a game. A lot of that has to do with their style, their offensive style, and how they play. That matters. That's contributing to it. A lot of it has to do with some injuries. That's a factor. That's contributing to it. How much better can LSU get? I think there's danger potentially lurking against Georgia. We'll get into more of that in a week or so when we can align that game when it's completely set. But it's going to be line of scrimmage power versus explosive offense and what's going to match up there. But there's no question that LSU's best friend is going to be a pretty good gap between conference championship weekend and December 28th, the semifinals, where they could get some guys that are currently playing, guys like Grant Delpit, that are banged up but playing, get them healthier. Because if they don't get bodies back healthy, if they don't play better up front, they're not going to stop the likes of LSU or Cle- um, of Ohio State or Clemson. They've got to get better or they're going to be totally reliant on outscoring people. And we just don't see people getting it done that way. So it's going to be quite the challenge, um, and they've got a ways to go. That kind of leads me into – looking at this past week's games in which we'll start with LSU number one and how they looked against Ole Miss. If you're looking at that and you're seeing Plumlee and his ability to move, Justin Fields will be able to run, will be able to throw. It's going to be interesting to see how that matchup is. But LSU's got a weak opponent, a really weak opponent this week against Arkansas. So it really wasn't challenged in any way, shape, or form. Um but it'll be interesting to see how much better they can get, how much healthier they can get uh, going forward. Um, The the resume says played well, got the Heisman Trophy winner. I get all that. It's a little bit fool's goal right now. LSU does not look like the best team inside the film room. To me, they look no better than third best. Um, When you have the up-and-down Explosive offenses where the defenses are not able to get off the field, it's got a real it's a real big problem and a real question for me. The game of the week was Georgia Auburn. I was impressed that Georgia was able to win. I was unimpressed in Georgia's ability to kind of put Auburn away. This is a very good Auburn defense. We tend to forget as the losses continue to mount with Auburn, as we expected. We tend to forget how difficult the schedule is and how good this Auburn defense truly is. It's also important to note that Georgia is not a team that's going to be really impressive closing out an opponent. 
They're just not type of team. Unless they get a short field, unless you help them with turnovers, they're not going to score a bunch of points or really impress you. They're going to have to win at the line of scrimmage with their run game and with their defense, and they're very good at doing it. They played Auburn well, but they couldn't quite put them away. They were up 21 nothing, and then Auburn just kind of hung in there and hung in there. And so it's just that ability to finish is what was lacking there. And it's what is going to cost them if they can't figure out how to get better with that. Because they were not facing, while they were facing a very good Auburn defense, they're not facing a very good Auburn offense. And the challenge for Georgia is going to be against LSU is you can play good defense, uh, LSU is still going to get their points, or how are you going to be able to overcome that? How are you going to be able to, to shorten that game with the run game, which I think you can do against LSU's defense, but can you score enough points if LSU gets to the 24, 28, 30 mark? Can you score? I, I think that's going to be – or can you control the game enough physically to where you can limit the possessions to where even though you're not able to stop LSU, maybe you can break their rhythm and maybe you can reduce their possessions. That's going to be the stop. And that's going forward, which is going to be fun to see. They get a little bit of a test with A&M this week, not a big one. The story of the weekend, without a question, in college football, not just the SEC, was not the Alabama win over Mississippi State, but the loss, the loss of Tua Tonga-Valoa for the remainder of his college career. A devastating injury, a costly injury, I said last week at this time that I wished if I were Alabama, I would have sat out to a, just to give that ankle maximum healing time, would have held him out until the Auburn week of practice. Um, but I would not have played him for that. I I'm certainly was not suggesting that they hold him out because there's a fear of an injury like that taking place. That's you can't predict that. That's that's not realistic. Uh, but I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I, I think this damages Alabama significantly. They're not nearly the type of team. They're a team that's not built off of a really good defense. They're built off, and they're not really that dynamic running the football and shortening the game. They're going to have to prove that they can do it that way and yet still be able to score a lot of points through the passing game. And if they can go out, and perhaps dominate an Auburn, then they're then they can make their case and say, look, we lost to a very good LSU team. Even without the quarterback, we beat Auburn decisively better than Georgia did, and we can make the claim that we're better than Oregon because Oregon didn't beat Auburn. That's going to be their case. How does the committee look at it? They're going to be, it's going to be real interesting to see uh, if that takes place that way. Is Alabama even going to be able to do that against Auburn? That's very much in question, folks. I mean, this offense going up in full force with Tua can be challenged against Auburn. With Mac Jones, it's going to be difficult. And, you know, what can LSU, uh, Alabama's defense do against Auburn's offense? Auburn's offense is not that good. So it's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out. But for Alabama, it was devastating for Tua. It's devastating. Um, 
there's certainly I can tell you from the inside that there's some second guessing of himself, Nick is, because he didn't want to play Tua, was talked into it, to give him that opportunity. It helps his draft stock, proves his durability. You know, whatever remaining Heisman hopes, be it as small as it, 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 I think he felt an obligation to do what the young man wanted him to do, and he was cleared to play. So it was obviously the head coach's decision that can't be made clear enough. He's certainly regretting it today because of what happened. Not because it was a bad decision, but because it was a decision in retrospect that he wished he could have had back. It's just human nature. Um, We all know that he was getting ready to pull him out in the game. Mac Jones was warming up. Pure and simple what they were doing. No doubt about it. So the fact that it was that close, and again, talked into one more series, two-minute drill, Blowing Mississippi State out, it's a tough, tough loss. Doesn't eliminate Alabama, but certainly creates some intrigue and certainly gives a different dynamic. And I don't know. The film room look, um, I need, right now I've got a small sample size with Mac Jones at quarterback for Alabama. I need to see it. And I'm really going to be able to tell against Auburn. Right now, I would put them behind Utah and Oregon in terms of how they look and how they project out. I don't think people in the South really have a clue how good Oregon and Utah is. I think with Tua, their ability to score a lot of points, I had them ranked higher. You saw where I had them ranked inside the film room, Alabama, last week, this week. I'd have them seventh. I'd have them behind Utah and Oregon um, because I think it's that much of a difference. If that's proven, the film going forward proves it otherwise, I'll move them and I'll make that adjustment. Um, it's kind of how I see it at this point. Uh, there's going to be a lot of debate. There's going to be a lot of perception that Alabama's better. There's going to be a lot of pro-Alabama sentiment. Everybody's against us. Then There's going to be a lot of anti-Alabama sentiment. You know, oh, they're always trying to get them in. I mean, it is amazing how completely polar opposite things are. Um, Around the action, other action around, some other thoughts on the game that jumped out at me. Um, Najee Harris has really become a big-time player in the run game for him. Uh, Mississippi State was not able to get a whole lot done. I will say this that for the talk about Alabama's defense, um, you know, they're not, they're, not, they're, they're not giving up a lot of points. And I know Mississippi State's been very inconsistent. But you gotta, you got to give it to them to kind of hold Mississippi State to seven points is pretty impressive. Um, pretty, pretty good deal there. Um, Missouri, Florida, in watching this game, I was impressed how Florida was able to kind of get going into the second half and take control of this game. Jonathan Grenard, again, was outstanding. Uh, Missouri couldn't get enough in the run game or the pass game. Converting third downs, they didn't do a good job. They're not executing on offense. 
This is a game that's always given Florida some difficulty, and they were able to handle it. The consistency of being able to look, you look at it, they lost to Georgia, they lost to LSU. They've lost to the one and the four team. They're headed towards a 10-win season, a New Year's Six Bowl bid for, bid for the second year in a row. And, you know, they're not going to win the East, but really a good season. Really good season. This Florida team has stepped up, done a very good job. It wasn't really pretty, but it was effective. It was effective defensively. They've got to get more playmakers, this Florida, on offense to get on a par talent-wise with Georgia. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, um, Kentucky responded well off coming off that Tennessee loss, beat Vanderbilt 38-14. They've, they've faced a lot of adversity. Kentucky has a lot of good backs. They're doing a really good job coaching this team. The defense plays hard, very physical. So really impressed with them. Vanderbilt can't get anything done offensively, um, can't move the football. Keyshawn Vaughn has no running room. Um, Riley Neal cannot attack downfield. They're just not very talented on offense. It's it's as simple as that. No, no real shock or surprise there. Um, a little bit surprised that South Carolina could get nothing done against Texas A&M. Nothing. Texas A&M has been very businesslike. They, again... Looked like they all year long their schedule was going to put five losses in it, and I think that's going to be the case. I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I don't think they're going to beat LSU. But they've taken care of business. They dominated South Carolina. In the other games, they've been able to do that. Kellen Mond threw for 220 yards, touchdown, ran the football well. Cordarian Richardson uh, is running the football well. They're getting better. They're building a solid foundation. I think things are going to get better, and the future is good. For South Carolina – it's a bit of a mess. It's not looking good. The program's not looking good. It's been very inconsistent. Got the big win over Georgia, but they've been very inconsistent, if not just down, out and out bad like this past week. You've got a really one of the worst PR moves I've ever seen by the administration. A, they said... Will Muschamp is going to come back and be the head coach. We believe in him, which is great. You believe in him, schedule's going to be easier. You owe him a lot of money. You believe in what he's doing. You like the way he's recruiting. You go forward with it. Then, then though, you get the president say, we actually, I had my athletic director check into the buyout. How did Florida State get a buyout? For Willie Taggart, as if like they were trying to figure out a plan to maybe move on from Will Muschamp. Not quite sure that I I get what they're doing there, and it makes you wonder: is that story written for this year? A big time embarrassing loss by Clemson. Will it change things? Will it get certain booster folks up in arms? I mean, if they were at least thinking about. What it would say to buy out in the responsible. What if things really go in the tank? Well, what do you think is going to happen now? Getting blown out by Texas A&M and getting blown out by Clemson. I mean, what's more in the tank than that? I mean, what else do you really want? Sounds like the story's not written, and it sounds like if they could get the money to buy him out, that maybe 
thinking along those lines. I don't know. But it's it's a bit of a mess there, I would say. But um, game balls for this week. I believe I've got, let's see, today, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss. Yeah, we got them all. Um, game balls, another one for Joe Burrow, another one for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. For LSU, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Najee Harris gets a game ball. Elijah Moore of Ole Miss, really good job at receiver. Jalen Wiedemark continues to be very impressive at tight end for Texas A&M. On the offensive line, Andrew Thomas, again, was outstanding leading the way. A couple of Alabama offensive linemen graded out well. Chedrick Wills at tackle for Alabama and Evan Neal. And Markel Harrell did a good job for Auburn. And Drake Jackson at center for Kentucky. On the defensive side, Justin Matabuke did a good job in the interior for A&M, as did Big Bad Derek Brown. For Georgia, Malik Herring at defensive end, Jonathan Grenard at Florida. At linebacker, Ventrell Miller of Florida, Shane Lee of Alabama. At center, Yusef Corker of Kentucky, Sean Davis at Florida. At corner, Charles Oliver at A&M, Javaris Davis at Auburn, and at nickel, Trevon Diggs. All did stellar jobs. As we kind of look at the schedule, this week, it is headlined by Texas A&M, Georgia. First of all, Auburn has Sanford. Alabama has Western Carolina. Vanderbilt has East Tennessee State. Kentucky has UT Martin. Uh, Mississippi State has Abilene Christian. So you really only have three games that are even like on the radar and one is uh, as much of a blowout as playing a non-conference game, and that's LSU-Arkansas. LSU-Arkansas, uh, no doubt, under Barry Lunny, is a little time to kind of prepare. They've got nothing to lose, but they're not a very good team. You've got Missouri hosting Tennessee. Big for Tennessee. Uh, by the way, Jaron Garantano took first team reps during practice on Tuesday. Um can they pull it out against a Missouri team that's struggling on offense? Going to face uh, Derek Dooley, the former head coach, the offense coordinator at Mizzou. Missouri's a little better at home. So it's going to be a tough, tough test for Tennessee, but one in which I think they're capable. And then, you know, Texas A&M, Georgia. How much of a threat can A&M be? Can they get Georgia at Georgia? Probably not. But Georgia is not good enough to kind of win and win decisively. Those might be a little bit better game than you might think because Georgia's inability to kind of pull away here. Uh, some other news. We talked about uh, Arkansas. Their coaching search is progressing. I still think look out for Mike Norvell there. Uh, Mike is somebody that I think Florida State's interested in. We'll see. There's some other guys that I think would be really good fits. The issue with Arkansas is people are have candidates are having a, a concern about whether you can win there. It's in a very difficult division, and what are the expectations? Are they realistic? If you can win seven, eight games a year and go to bowl games, if they're comfortable with that for a while, until the landscape perhaps changes in the West, then it's a decent job. If you think, hey, three years – 
and we should be contending and competing for the West title, then you're fooling yourself because there's nobody that exists can do that. It's not that type of job. So I think having a realistic expectation, along with a lot of money, is what's the selling point for Arkansas. And I think it's going to determine whether somebody wants to leave a job. I stress all the time for people that think, oh, Arkansas is a better job than fill in the blank, some school that is not considered of that stature. Most will say, I'm going to pass over that job because I think there's a better one down the road. So, you know, they're not going to get a job, uh, somebody that's got a really good job and a really good chance to win because Arkansas is not likely a destination job because in order to be a destination job, you have to compete and win at a high level, which Arkansas is no longer in that position. And it's not going to be a destination job if you're going to get fired in four years because you can't win nine or ten games. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of an identity crisis. They're going to have to recruit well. They're going to have to sell a future, but you better have somebody that can coach. Somebody that can creatively get as much out of his team as possible and be able to recruit and be able to get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Because without that, they're going to have a hard time. Derek Mason's coming back at Vanderbilt. The administration has said as much. Makes some sense. They've got to figure out, again, administratively what they are, who they want to be, how they're going to look. Because that's a tough job. And I think that if they continue to think that, well, James Franklin did a good job there. You know, Bobby Johnson did some good things there. That is the exception not the rule. And so I think trying to figure that out and understanding where they are in realistic expectations, there's no doubt this is a bad Vanderbilt team. I thought they'd be a little bit more competitive. They're not even in competing in most games. Derek wants a job. He's committed to the job. He's not frustrated in the job. There's some value to that. Until Vanderbilt can figure out how to make the program better and make the program more attractive, then why would they want to go fishing for somebody that's probably going to be no better than Derek Mason? Because in their current situation, they are a poorly operated program that's going nowhere fast. Some questions sent in. Mark was talking about Auburn's defensive lineman and asking a question about what Auburn could have done to help their team a little bit this year, help the strength of their team, which is the uh, the defense. The answer is the offense needed to play better, and it's not just the young quarterback. It's about the offensive line, which hasn't been as good. They've not been able to play with a high tempo, not been able to run the football quite as well. And you can't run that offense if you can't get up tempo and gash people in the run game. And their inability to do that has really hurt them. The defense has kept them in every game, but they can't make enough plays. And like even against Georgia, Georgia's not able to put people away offensively, so they were able to come back in the game, make it interesting, had a shot, but you know, not enough consistent playmaking ability from the passing game. They don't have a well-orchestrated, a well-coached passing attack. 
and that that has been consistent. Uh, Mark also suggests that it's what separates the SEC from a lot of leagues is the depth at the front seven defensive personnel, and that is correct. They've got more big guys that can run in the SEC because they're more of those type of players in the southeast corridor if you want to start from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, um, Carolinas. They're more of those players in that corridor at, at that those positions. So you're you're right on there. there. There's good players at other places. Not They don't just exist at those places. But in that region, in that corridor of the country, there are more of them. You are absolutely correct of that. Uh, Matt asks about Ed Orgeron and the problems he's had and do I think it's what's the reason for the success and kind of talking about some of the faults that Ed's have had. Well, listen, Ed's not a great X as an O guy. That's okay. Ed has proven to be a really good administrator. Here's the thing about Ed that people don't know. He's very organized. You know, he may look like, you know, a gruff old guy. He's very organized, very meticulous. Loves recruiting, stays on top of recruiting all the time. Great recruiter. He's hired guys well. He's got a good support staff where basically the administration was given a lot of money to put all the pieces in place to help him do what he wants to do and needs to do. Um, he's very, very reliant on that staff. Not that other coaches are not, but coaches like Dabo or Ed are more reliant on their staff because they're the ones that do the heavy lifting. They're the ones that are involved in the game plans. Ed is more just on the surface, will ask questions, but he's not intimately involved in the game plan. That is falls on Dave Aranda, and it falls on Steve Enzminger and Joe Brady. And so he focuses on recruiting and overseeing and being kind of the, the front person of the organization. Now, let me just say this. Let's pump the brakes on LSU's getting ready to take over the West Hawk. We'll see next year. If they can be as good without Joe Burrow, then we can have that conversation. But there's likely to be a step back. I think this year's a byproduct more of anything with Joe Burrow in conjunction with Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady without Joe Burrow won't be as good, and probably Joe Burrow without Joe Brady won't be as good when he moves on, depending on where he goes on the NFL team, maybe a bad team. But I, I think Joe Burrow's kind of lifted LSU, and it's been about the offense. The defense is not very good. They've got playmakers at receiver. They've got a great quarterback who's a leader and a decision maker. He's a clutch guy. He's a winner. He always stays on top of things, and that's the big difference. We'll see how good it is starting next year. And then we've got one question here with uh, about Alabama. How many times in the first half in the Mississippi State game did Alabama use six or seven-man protections? Well, they very rarely use seven-man protections. They obviously run 10 or 11 personnel. They use the tight end in the passing game, some, some in blocking. So they get some six-man protection, but it's mostly five- and six-man protections, very rarely seven-man protections for them. So that'll wrap it up for this week. want to, um, again, reminder that the, the, uh, the big matchups are coming uh, along the lines of uh, in a couple of weeks with the conference championship game and then Alabama-Auburn. Those are the big games remaining. We've got A&M Georgia, a, a little bit of a big game type matchup, a little bit of a big game type feel. 
We've got LSU 1, Georgia 4. We'll see if that holds. Again, I think Ohio State will jump ahead of LSU. I think this. Some people have asked me this. If Georgia beats LSU and LSU and Georgia are in, they will not play in the semis. They will separate them. And I think what it's going to be, I think it's going to be um, Ohio State 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3, and LSU 4. So it will be Ohio State and LSU, and then it will be Georgia-Clemson uh, in the semifinals. That's how it will it'll set up if that holds out. Uh, if, if LSU wins, then I think it will be Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, and then the fourth will be um, Alabama-Oregon. So what you're going to see then is you're going to see LSU-Clemson meet in the semis, and then Ohio State would end up playing either Alabama or Oregon. That would be your semifinal matchups. Or Utah, if Utah's the team. That's kind of how it's looking now. I don't think there's any doubt nationally that Alabama's not out, but not likely is the way I would phrase it. Georgia controls their path if they can win out. Um, and it's kind of clear that if Georgia wins – LSU is unbeaten going into the conference championship game. Georgia wins the game. Georgia and LSU gets in. If Georgia loses, then it's going to be between Alabama and the Pac-12 champion. Doesn't look like there's going to be another scenario. There would be a scenario if a Minnesota or a Penn State were to win out. But don't think that's going to happen. Let's wait till it happens before we go into a complete frenzy. But that could create a chaotic situation and potentially the one scenario where a, a LSU loss could potentially knock them out if the resume of a Big Ten champion Penn State or Minnesota could maybe still, depending on how the game looks, still could maybe put in Ohio State uh, as a second team of the Big Ten over an LSU. Listen, long way to go, unlikely to happen and it really does matter how it looks. And we're going to be here to tell you how it looks inside the film room each and every week. So be sure to check us out. Again, give the folks at 401k Generation a call. Tell them you heard about them from us right here. Part of the Big 3 Roll-Up Network of Family. Tell them you heard it on this podcast. Call or text at 1-866-998-5879. They can help you with any financial checkup any financial questions you might have. You got a company you want us to promote? We can help you with that. Give us, uh, contact us by going to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris. Uh, also, let us know if you got any questions. Again, LandryFootball.com, contact Chris. Let us know there, and we'll uh, address it um, on any podcast you want me to address. And be sure to go to LandryFootball.com. For all the latest film room breakdowns, uh, in and ins and outs of the game, uh, the college game, the pro game, the film room breakdowns, all the latest news, notes, and information, we got it for you at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the in-season 50% discount by going uh, the that route. It's $4.99 a month. It's $49.99 for entire calendar year. Get your recruiting the draft, free agency, you name it. If you want to try it out for a month, you can do that as well. Appreciate you joining us, and join us again next week on another edition of the SEC Football Show. I'm Chris Landry.